This program is brought to you by Cryptoterium.com. It is a center for higher learning. It is a place with centuries of secrets in its shadowed halls. This is where you have come to learn the mysteries of the cosmos. Welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast. We'll teach you things you can't unlearn. Hello and welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast, Episode 72. This is the podcast dedicated to Call of Cthulhu and other horror and Lovecraft-related role-playing games. I'm Keeper Dan. I'm Keeper Murph. In this episode, we have the one, the only, Chad Bowser joining us. Welcome, Chad. Hello. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's really early. Again. <laughs> it seems like this is a theme with us. Just a bit. Yep. And uh, just as another side note, and publicly to humiliate him, Keeper John is again... A no-show. Thank you, Keeper John. Those are the crickets outside his bedroom as he's sleeping. <laughs> yeah. We gotta figure out something with this schedule, because it's apparently not working. It's worked for three years, but now it's falling apart. Yep. Uh, Alright, let's get on into the campus crier. Yeah. Miskatonic University Campus Crier. Campus Crier's Miskatonic U student paper. Here's we're going to go through feedback for the podcast and news. This episode's recorded February 15th, 2015. And first up, there is a Kickstarter going for the actual version 1.0 release of the Masks of Nyarlathotep Companion. Holy crap. It's huge. It's bigger than the campaign. Oh, of course. Oh, be easy. It's not hard to do that. But I mean, uh, Chad, you have a chapter in this, right? Um, I do. I worked on the um, Cairo chapter. So I did a lot right. of historical background for that. And uh, is the 1.0 release, is it near the same size as some of the past releases where, you know, we're talking almost a thousand pages in length? It is. It's um, going to be presumably very close to the 0.9 edition. Um, just clean up artwork, uh, editorial work. Minor changes here and there. It's just mind-boggling. Uh, I am utterly flabbergasted. This is getting produced. It's just crazy. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. I'm so happy to see that this is finally reaching uh, it, its full release. I have a copy of the PDF version that was released on Yug uh, Sothoth. Uh, it was what two years ago, maybe that when that was released. That sounds about right. Yeah, and. So, yeah, I've got that, and it's just, I, I don't think I ever finished reading through it because it was so massive. But it's just, and plus I was, wasn't was actually running the campaign at the time. 
Well, I'm running the, I mean, I'm running the campaign. And when I, I started, I, I, I started reading through the, the companion again. And I'm pretty sure that like the New York and London chapters are as a, are much longer than the entire campaign itself was. You know, I mean, those are the two I read up front just for background info in case I need to go anything. I need to, uh, I'm going to have to pull Chad aside later and talk about Cairo now that I know he wrote the Cairo part because that's where my boys are right now. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've gotten the impression that the best way to use it is just as, you, as your players get to a certain spot in the globe, you know, use the chapter to refresh uh, add some details here and there, but I don't think it's a book that you sit down and read from page one to page. Yeah. 14 million. Y- yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, this is definitely a reference book, mm-hmm. but it's just amazing to see this finally reach that point of uh, release. I, I'm so happy for everybody involved with this, and it looks like, you know, like 51% of the proceeds on the Kickstarter are going to go to yogsothoth.com which I'm totally in favor of because that was yeah. the the coordinating core of this whole project was the forums there so it makes sense I mean I'm in the other credit for hurting the, hurting the cats that were involved this year to Brett Kramer who you know, mainly his idea and he just kept everybody on target he's good at that he is amazingly good at that so he's been working on this thing and the uh, Arkham Gazette, and which he even released an update for that this morning. Yeah, I saw that as well. For backers, yeah. Um, so just some of the, 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 the pertinent infos here about this particular Kickstarter. Uh, I believe it funded in, in the first day or so. Uh, it's got 21,000 pounds of a 6,000 pound goal right now with 23 days to go, so... You know, we're into stretch goal territory by far. So we'll see Which, what we can um, come up with. Don't I don't know if they actually have really any. see any yeah. stretches on here. It yeah, there's, may, there's, uh, they, they're already come and gone. The next one's at 23,000. Oh, so okay, there they are. It's, it's extra, um, extra scenarios and uh, handouts okay, and, and stuff like that. and stuff. Okay, yeah. cool. So, yeah, I mean, they're... they're they're just blowing their Kickstarter right out the water. And I, I don't think they realized how popular this was until they threw it out there. It's one of those urban myth kind of things, you know. Um, <laughs> for a while, it was kind of hard to get a hold of. Um, and then Yogg-Sothoth re-released it on the web uh, a couple of years back, and it was kind of easier to get. But there for a while, it was kind of like one of those, oh, have you seen the Massive Narlotha Companion? Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you've got to go find that. Uh, so now that you can actually get a physical copy of it, good grief. This is a doorstopper I'm going to have to keep hold of. Oh, and I love that the guy that did the masks uh, prop set is uh, right. working as an add-on to get all of his stuff to go with it, too. That's cool. It's terrific. So next up, though, uh, moving on, Unspeakable Words is a Call of Cthulhu word game where you earn points based on the number of angles and the letters in their words. And this is from last week, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it was an update because it's only got uh, five days left on it. Oh, okay. So I just wanted it to be kind of a reminder of that, hey, if yeah. this is something that interests you, you know, jump on over there because it's, it's almost done. It's almost done, and it's got 130000 of their $12,000 call. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'd like to say that we had something to do with that because I don't think it was there uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> this thing has blown up. My goodness. Yeah. I just want some of the little Cthulhu dudes. The little Cthulhu. The little, little plastic dudes. It's, yeah, they're great looking, aren't they? I love those. It's just and they so stack. Cute. That's what's cool. Yeah, um, they they've got their hands out so you can like put yeah, things in there and they can level, hold stuff. And their wings are level with their head, so you can put another one on top of the other one. It's, yeah, it's just it's version of Jenga. Yeah, it's like a little Cthulhu Jenga thing happening there. Only if you pull one out, they'll all destroy. It's great. Um, so that's cool. That's good. They've definitely funded, but they're five days left. So go back and go for one of those. Then if, if you guys remember our friends over at Warpo, that's the company that did the line of the uh, Legends of Cthulhu, I believe, the action figure line. And so they did that Kickstarter, had four figures with it. And there was a stretch goal that they did not reach. That was supposed to be for a 12-inch scale Cthulhu figure. Mm -hmm. And so they have moved forward with that project as its own thing, and I don't think it's going to be a Kickstarter. It's just something nope. that they're doing they're with the company. Release it. Yep, you're going to be able to buy it from the website, I believe. And uh, there are pictures on io9.com that, show off this figure and it's, it's just a, awesome it's a 12 inch cthulhu figure that matches the uh the spawn of cthulhu um, somewhat toy the somewhat the same thing is same style different but yeah it, yeah it, well you this can is tell cthulhu. they're definitely the same line yeah i mean this is cthulhu and the the figures were spawns of cthulhu mm -hmm. so um but evidently they're going to be really revealing it monday at the new york toy fair and they're saying that this is is an actual product that's going to cost a hundred bucks when it's released, um, which which means I just lost a hundred bucks in my very very tight budget. Um, yeah, because this thing is freaking cool looking. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, do you have you seen the link for this? Um, uh, yeah, I was just looking at it now. That is, I mean, don't realize exactly how large twelve inches is until you see it in comparison with its little companion friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the the spawn is like three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like normal action figure, you know, styled size, GI Joe size kind of figure. Yeah, GI Joe, Star Wars. So well, yeah, you could have uh, Luke Skywalker battling this. <laughs> they say um, twelve inches, and you're like, oh, whatever. And then you see exactly how large it is. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, well, it's twelve inches tall, and it must be at least ten or twelve inches wide with the wingspan as well. That's yeah. the one, one thing they don't mention, you know. Uh, the thing is huge, man. Yeah, the wings are massive. And it's articulated, too, somewhat, in the arms and the legs. Yeah, yeah, he has, like, classic 80s-style articulation, so shoulders, looks like the wrists rotate at the hips, swivel, and, and, and I head. bet the head rotates. But his right hand is molded to very clearly put another figure into his hand. Right. Yeah. So you can stick your uh, investigator figure inside of Cthulhu's uh, slimy mm -hmm. grip. Yeah. That would be awesome. When somebody gets this, I absolutely want pictures of a battle scene between this guy and a <laughs> Rancor. Oh, gosh, that would be great. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a f freaking fantastic. I, I'm really... The more yeah, and more, it's a beautiful toy. It's just great. Yeah, 
I really like Warpo right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I can and say. And on a related note, the regular line of Legends of Cthulhu are in regular retail stores now. Yeah, they are. You can go to a comic shop and just pick one up. They're a lot more expensive than they were in the Kickstarter. Yes, they, they are. They were like they're 8 bucks tw- or something. They're now they're 20. 20. Bucks. Yeah, 20 bucks a pop, which is fine by me because I got mine at 8. <laughs> yeah. I, got mine I wish I could have at the time. I didn't have the money to get any of the figures. Well, I, got the one, I just got the one Cthulhu spawn, and that was it. But, yeah, it's really, really cool. I wish I had gotten two. Um, I might go back and get a second one just so I can open one. Yeah. Next up, we have Dreams from the Witch House, the Women of Lovecraft Indiegogo campaign over from uh, Dark Regions Press. So this is a, the same guys who did the World War Cthulhu. Uh, Indiegogo, and they mm-hmm. are doing another uh, book uh, crowdfunding project. Uh, this one is um, all featuring female authors and their stories. Uh, and art. Really, and art, yeah. It, and it looks really nice. And I will say, having been a backer of World War Cthulhu, that th- that hardcover book, um, I got the, not the really crazy expensive one but just uh the nice hardcover book you know what i mean i, th- I can't remember mm-hmm. it's like 50 bucks or something it is one of it's a far more quality hardback book than you would expect to get for 50 bucks it is absolutely flipping gorgeous hardcover book i it, the quality on it is just ridiculous okay i and so i i'm I would buy any book that these dudes put out because their hardcovers are, are just fantastic. So, yeah, there you go. Anyway, but yeah, Dark Regions is putting out a new, um, a new Lovecraftian horror book. Um, so go and check that out. They've, um, they've already funded, or no, they've almost funded. They've got 15 days left, and they're sitting at um, just oh, almost $16,000 of their $17,000 goal. Yeah, so they've so they've just about done it. Yeah, about fourteen hundred bucks away. Yeah, and they've got they got two weeks to do it, so I'm pretty sure this will be funded without a problem. Yeah, yeah, and I just love the idea of an all woman uh, authorship of it, just to get stories from a different perspective. Yeah, without a doubt. What were you going to say there, uh, Chad? Sorry, Chad, I was going to mention yeah. that if you did miss out on like their World War II Indiegogo campaign, they do have a pledge level of only forty five dollars, where you can get. Um, Dreams from the Witch House, World War Cthulhu, a Willem Pugmire book, and two other books, and that's all for forty five dollars. Wow! Oh, is that? Yeah, that's I the Lovecraft that's, box, and yeah, it's quite a steal, actually. I think it's eighty. Yeah, bucks, it is. It? Isn't it eighty? No, bucks? I'm looking at it saying forty five. Where do you see that? I'm blind. It's the top. Oh, there it is. The very top one. Featured. Yeah. Okay. And these are physical books for forty five bucks. Um, actually, physical books and ebooks. Uh, everything but the Dreams from the Witch House are trade paperbacks, so they're going to be you know the soft cover. But still, yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. So which Pugmire book is it? Uh, oh, uh, Encounters of the Enoch Coffin. Oh, wow. Well, that's a hell of a steal, right there, isn't it? Yeah, Ooh, and two surprise bucks. trade paperback Lovecraftian titles. Now I was looking at the uh, the Lovecraft fan pack for eighty dollars. No, I'm not. Never mind. Just <laughs> move on. Never mind. I was looking at the Dark Regions press bundle number one. Is what I was really looking at, but hundred bucks is too much 
for me. But it looks yeah, it's awesome. But you got forty five looks like a really that's the sweet spot. Yeah, that's a really this nice kind of a thing. That's uh, yeah. I I'm, see why they put that as featured. That's beautiful. Yeah, and again, if you have an option of getting their um, their hardcover books, you you really should try and do that because it is an absolutely fantastically produced book. Gorgeous, gorgeously produced hardcover. It's one of those books that is more impressive with the jacket off than on, if that makes sense. <laughs> Which is saying something because the artwork on the jacket is fantastic for World War Cthulhu. But it's, it's bound in red leather with gold foil stamping. Absolutely pristine headbands uh, on it. it it's, it's a ridiculously gorgeous book. So, yeah. Anyway, I've gone on enough about that. Then next up, we have been nominated for a Golden Geek Award. Holy crap. So, yeah, if you're a member of the BoardGameGeeks.com community, go on over and vote. I'll have to do that. There's no prejudice involved on my end, is there? Conflict <laughs> of interest? Well, there they have stipulations for being able to vote that you've got to have an a an icon over there, which I'm not sure what that yeah, means. Yeah, we have icons, Dan. I don't know if you know that, but uh, we do. I don't. I wasn't allowed to vote. I have an icon, and I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to vote. Okay. But, but one of the nice things about the award is all the nominees are also fan chosen. So yeah, you do have yeah, fans on that site because you've been nominated on that site. Yeah, exactly. So I know somebody in their community and ours, you know, tossed us in the running. So in, in all fairness, their community is flipping huge. So oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a quite a bit of uh, crossover. And mm. And their and their website is actually tripartite. So there's a board game side, an RPG side, and a video game side. Right. So yeah. So you board can game draw geek, R- RPG geek. It's uh, it's quite nice. I I actually love their site. I've just not. I go there for reference more than I go there to uh, post. It is an amazing database of what's yeah. in print, what isn't in print, and yeah, you know, it's a great way to find what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. it's quite it's quite impressive. I mean, the the amount of data there is is staggering. Um, and it's so all user entered and maintained. It, it's it's quite impressive. I mean, it's like one of the preeminent like gamers wiki style database of products and reviews and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's really quite impressive. So, always been a fan of board game geek and RPG geek. Yeah, and for the uh, RPG section, there are a number of entries that are within our genre here. We've got uh, for Game of the Year, Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition is in there. Mm-hmm. The PDF version. For Best Artwork and Presentation, Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition is also in there. Best Supplement, which would be a really tough call. Uh, Dreamhounds of Paris. Tales Horror of on City. the Orient Express. Yeah. And Tales, Tales of the Crescent City. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's difficult. Tough, that's a I can't. That's a fight. I'll be honest. Uh, horror has to win that. It is. Yeah. That is just such an absolutely unbelievably mind-boggling amount of information in that box cut. Um, I just cannot see it not getting any of that award. Yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah, I think just the scale of it. Yeah, especially if they do it just on weight. away. Yeah. What were you saying, Chad? I'm sorry. I said especially if they do it just based on weight. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's like, well, it's beat out everything by eight and a half pounds. All right, sorry. 
Stop your and game, people. For, <laughs> and then for podcasts, there's a long list of podcasts in there, but ones that are uh, that I wanted to point out that even though they're competing with us in there, it'd be kind of dumb to uh, not mention these guys are friends over at the good friends of Jackson and Elias are in the running. Yeah, congratulations, guys. They're as more, well as the uh, <laughs> the 800-pound gorilla of Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Yeah, um, I really I really hope Ken and Robin kind of step their game down a little bit so that they give some of us peons a, uh, a chance at winning <laughs> something. <laughs> Take a year off, guys, just so one of us can win. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the joke uh, i don't mind losing to them because it's quality stuff and yeah. they actually are a podcast so exactly anyway congratulations guys have you been nominated um we look forward to seeing you crying on the losers stoop as we're up there on the winner's platform no, <laughs> not really and then in uh other award circles we have are also in the running for an any I actually caught the submission uh, opening this year, and so I submitted us. Good job, Dan. Yeah, for actually paying attention. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Go ahead. And so far, there are six podcasts in there, and uh, Um, one of them is somebody that we actually have a connection to. Um, which is openly gamer theater. That is the folks over at the gamers table that do the, oh, uh, okay. the live action, uh, gaming that has been re-edited into like an audio drama. And they recently did a call of Cthulhu scenario that John and I helped out with ideas for, uh, the story and GMing stuff. Very cool. So, yeah. That's, I, very much endorse the openly gamer theater stuff. They also did a Conan game that was just beautifully done. It was so cool. Yeah. They, and they, tied uh, into the uh, Call of Cthulhu game they did. They did a Star Wars one as well, didn't they? Yeah, but Star- that one wasn't re-edited as a drama. That one oh, was okay. more of a standard. Just a standard actual. Um, recorded game. Yeah. Gotcha. That's really cool. That's a cool idea, though. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I love the guys over at Gamers Table. They do a really good show. Cool. But I don't know when voting will be open for the Ennies. I can't find any reference on the website for when voting starts. But whenever it does, we'll let everybody know. Very cool. And for our Crypticurium spotlight for this episode, I wanted to uh, just kind of point out again for the Parcel of Terror, since they haven't really released anything outside of that recently, but I had only uh, two days ago received my Parcel of Terror for this month. So I have February's, and it has the uh, the Jason magnet, which the detail on that is way cooler up in person. So I've got my Jason magnet and my Cthulhu plaque, skull pin, the, uh, the anatomical heart keychain. How does that Cthulhu plaque look in person? Really, really good. It's a lot uh, thicker than I really got the impression of. It's about an inch thick. Good grief. Yeah. That's insane. An inch thick? Really? So his other ones were were fairly thin in comparison, you know, 
Yeah, this one is a lot thicker. Now, uh, the back of it, you know, it's not poured with resin, you know, all the way through, because that would be, you know, super heavy. But uh, it's the actual, you know, when it's on the wall, it stands out from the wall almost an inch. Wow. That's nuts. It's really thick, so, and it's painted up beautifully. Very cool. And it's got a nice metal uh, hook on the back of it that uh, was screwed in, so it's not, like, glued together or anything. It's very secure. Yeah, I, I really enjoy getting these, and I'm really excited to be receiving these regularly. Especially the next one, that uh, that Gilman sticker is just amazing. So. It really is. It's very cool. And, and the plaque looks like a deep one headed running with Coco Halo or something. Yep. And there's Slimer in honor of the Ghostbusters anniversary. I know, right? Yeah. How can you go wrong with Slimer? And that notebook for the handbook for the recently deceased is just so beautifully done. I really like that, actually. If, if, if he could just offer that on its own, I think that he could sell those. Or at least I'd buy it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he'd sell them, but I'd buy it. Yeah, these, these are uh, really, really nice. So go on over, take a look. Settle down now, class. It's time for your next lesson. All right. Well, as everybody's already aware, we've got Mr. Chad Bowser on here. And so you've been part of a whole number of different Call of Cthulhu publications as of late. Um, I heard that you're doing something with a the new version of uh, Cthulhu Dark Ages. That's right. Um, Cassian had the idea to update Cthulhu Dark Ages, and in the process, it also got updated for 7th edition. So the new edition will make use of the 7th edition rules, as well as have a host of new material that wasn't in the 1st edition put out by Stefan Gesper. Very nice. Cool. Is it is the size increasing on it then as well? I mean, or have they trimmed it oh, some? Well, the, um, the original book weighed in, I believe, 128 pages. Mm -hmm. um, this one is going to be much, much larger. Oh, good. Filled it with setting. Uh, I was wondering if, uh, do you know if it's going to be a standalone book like the previous one was? Uh, where it's got like all the rules? My my last interaction with Cassian was that it's going to be a supplement. Okay. So to save some space, they had to cut some of the rules out. That's even better as far as I'm concerned. The, ori the original intent was to create it as a standalone book, but it just grew so much that to reduce the page count, we had to take some of the rules out and turn it into a supplement. Okay. I'm fine with that. Um, personally, I, I think Cthulhu Dark Ages was a great setting and I realized that they did it with the rules so that they could try and appeal to a different market than what mm -hmm. typically would play Call of Cthulhu. But, you know, it was so much good stuff that you know, I, I'm all for having more of that good stuff in there. So I'm fine, completely fine with that. Right. And if you're, <laughs> if you're familiar with the first edition, almost everything that was in the first edition is in the second edition. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that has been removed to my knowledge was, was the tomb, the scenario. Um, simply yeah. because, again, a uh, matter of room. Right, which makes sense, though. The last third of the book or so is actually an Arkham Unveiled-style community for the Dark Ages setting. With really? NPCs, plot hooks, um, oh. geography. It, um, the intent was to just basically give keepers and players a lot to play with. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So where is, the, um, where is this fictional uh, place set at? I mean, is it a... And give us some... Uh, 
this is what I like. I, I like to know the settings that they include. So, yeah, I mean, like, is it a um, like a feudal area or is it a, you know, are we talking England or the continent or what? What's happening? Come well, on. being um, <laughs> being um, basically a 10th and 11th century setting, we're a little before the feudal area proper. So what we've done is um, I figured the best area to put it would be Anglo-Saxon England along the banks of the Severn. Okay. Uh, so right there in Ramsey Campbell's. Um, Right, Severn Valley. No kidding. Yeah. It's a That's little, awesome. Yeah, a little Anglo-Saxon town called Tokeburg, and it's going to. Um, it has um, numerous keyed locations like Arkham Horror, so that you can easily reference the maps, which were done by Stephanie Mackerley. Oh man, that's great. And there are three um, starter intro scenarios. Uh, three more along the lines of the haunting versus the much more larger and developed tomb scenario from the first edition of the Cthulhu Dark Ages. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. That with yeah. the, the village setting, I mean, that's got, you know, a much longer term potential use out of it. So that makes a lot of sense. And one thing we tried to do um, was also each of the, almost each of the key entries has had a mythos element to it. Mm-hmm. And with the, and obviously in the beginning of the, of the section, I do put in a, a proviso that don't use every single mythos setting in a single game. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just pick and choose the ones you want. That way, you can return to the village later and have a completely different experience for your players. Yeah, that would be interesting if you did make use of every single. One. <laughs> I'm just saying, that would be kind of interesting. Anyway, yeah, I see what you're going though. Yeah, you've also done the Cthulhu Invictus books and articles. You had a number of stuff that you put out for Cthulhu Invictus. Right, um, Andy. Did- Andy and Newton and I released those, um, most of the, most of the Cthulhu Invictus products um, several years ago, I think 2009. Yeah, the second edition came out in 2009, mm-hmm. um, which and is the, a fantastic product. Uh, and I think it's, it was originally one of their more underrated or little known kind of supplements and uh, kind of exploded with, I guess, the legend of. Um, Arius Lurko, I think, Arius was a Lurko big helped a lot. increase to that, yeah. Well, Oscar is a huge fan of the setting, in case you can't tell, based on his recent Kickstarter. Yeah. No, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't, I, if he likes the setting, you're saying? <laughs> he, he's, got, he's got some fond feelings towards it. Mm, I'll have to ask him about that. I had no ideas. Mm-hmm. Joking. I like Invictus as well. It's a great setting. Um, and I like Ancient Rome, which makes it even better uh, for me. Um, and I've noticed a theme with you. You tend to do a lot of historically based stuff. Just in general, I don't know if that's true across the board, but it seems that way. Am I am yeah. I right there in thinking that? Um, I mean, that'd be a fair assessment. I mean, I did um, my bachelor's in classical archaeology, and then went to graduate school for um, early medieval history. So, holy crap! Okay, you're you're. I am really glad you're the one working on the Dark Ages. Yeah, book. me too. <laughs> um, I have to admit, you you whether you wanted it or not, you've now uh, I've added I've added you to my list of people I would call just to uh, annoy. With uh, historical questions from that time period. Okay. Yeah, just <laughs> just don't ask me what I do for a living. I won't, but uh, oh. I'm going to call you anyway. Um, but uh, but in also, also, just to compare and contrast a little bit, um, Cthulhu Invictus was really an, an homage to the Roman world as it appeared through the lens of those like Robert E. Howard and even Lovecraft to some small extent. So, I mean, there's dog Latin in there intentionally. The Latin was bad on purpose. And also, it's slightly pulpy in the Robert E. Howard way. Uh, mm-hmm. The Cthulhu Dark Ages is more historical. I mean, 
Okay. There are separate chapters for the mythos and the history, whereas opposed to Cthulhu Invictus, I just sort of ran them all together into one timeline to create a like a mythos-infused version of history. <laughs> In Dark Ages, I kept them separate so that those wanting a more historical game could do so. Uh, makes sense, because, yeah, that's one thing that from the bits of Invictus that I had uh, encountered and played through, it did feel very much like a Rome as seen through like a... Uh, like a sword and sorcery, a almost. 19, uh, like a 1960s movie is what it kind of felt like. Mm-hmm. And that was it's almost like a... Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that Ray Harryhausen was one of the influences, but I'd be lying <laughs> if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the Harryhausen influence. Everything is better with a little Harryhausen <laughs> thrown in. Yeah. That's great. Now, will there be an ancient Greek add-on is what I want to know next, then, since you brought up a Harryhausen reference. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then we need the Sinbad one as well. Right, the Sinbad. Oh, Lord. Yeah. That would be great, though, if we could I have... want the stats for the giant uh, metal minotaur mech. <laughs> oh, from... Um, Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was actually in the back of my mind when I was writing Invictus. <laughs> That's great. I, I have very fond memories of that from being a kid and watching that. Oh, I have it on DVD. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have that one currently, but I probably should. I, I need to have like a Harryhausen shelf. That would be a good thing. Andy Newton, uh, Andy, Andy Newton helped with both Invictus and also Food Dark Ages. Um, she played a large part in both, and we recently watched Clash of the Titans. The, the original Harry House. Yeah, the good one. I always hope. I mean, I only refer to one. I don't know of another second. Is there another? Clash of the... <laughs> they they <laughs> refused it to. No, no, I refuse to acknowledge its existence. Oh, okay. So that's that's fair. Terrible. It was quite. It was quite bad. You have to admit. I mean, the remake. I haven't seen it yet. I ha- don't. That's all I'm going to tell you. It doesn't exist. Don't worry about seeing it. <laughs> It bat. They actually like call out the original, and then they kind of slam on it. So you know, they actually have Bubo in the remake, and they like just kind of toss it aside as just like, "What the hell is this?" And it it was very irritating. It was obviously not made by lovers of Harryhausen. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Which is funny considering what they did. Anyway, it's just mm-hmm. yeah, we're not going there. Um, you also did the Victoriano uh, Core Rule Book, third edition, right? I'm writing. Um, I actually was involved in Victoriano all the way from the first edition all the way up through the third. So that started in 2004, I believe. So 10 years of Victoriano. That's awesome. Yeah, and I really like that uh, that game. That's a lot of fun, uh, crazy steampunk Victorian age stuff. It is um, decidedly over the top, or can be anyway. Yeah, but I mean, you don't go into a steampunk uh, type RPG without it being over the top to start with. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I mean, have you ever seen a subdued steampunk game? Uh, I can't say that I have. There you go. All right. So you hit the nail right on the head with this one, um, as far as I'm concerned. I really like it. It's a great game. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and you should uh, you should definitely send me hardcover versions of all of them because they're um, they're. they're <laughs> <laughs> I'll email it to you. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> They're great games. Um, is there any more coming in for uh, for that in the future as well? Um, there is. I don't know if it's been released yet, but one of the last ones I worked on was a source book. They call it Across the Pond, which is a source book for the Americas as they appear in the Victoriana world. Oh, cool. Well, that would be very cool. Because uh, I know they had... Of- 
what was the um, they they released uh, Streets of Shadow? Wasn't that mm-hmm. the, the la- one of the last ones they put out? I think. Well, Streets of Shadow and Concert and Flames. Right. Streets of Shadow is a collection of scenarios, and Concert and Flames is a Masks in the Hotel esque campaign across the concert of Europe. That's the so one I was thinking to, of. You're going to go to places like Rhodes, Arad in Romania. Very cool. Vienna. Yeah, I really want to play more of this game, to be honest with you. It's, a, it's just so much fun. I know it's not really our purview, but thought I'd bring it up. Sorry. It's got your name on it, and I like it. So, Which mm-hmm. I, I have to admit, most of the stuff with your name on, I like. So well, I guess kudos that's to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's my small <laughs> opinion, but, you know, something, right? And John just showed <laughs> up. Oh, no, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Mm, John, John, John. <laughs> I don't want to hear it, man. Don't want to hear it. I know, I know. Hey, John, uh, say hello to Chad. Chad's on the phone. We're in the middle of a show. Well, hello. Hello, Chad. Hey, John. <laughs> hey, Caramba. So now that we have you here, is there anything you would like to add to the stuff that Chad has worked on? Hey, uh, I did have an opportunity to uh, to uh, read through Cold Harvest. And uh, tell me a little bit about Cold Harvest. What what brought that up? What, what uh, made you think about that? Now, let's see. I wrote it like six years ago. So. Wow. <laughs> this is one of those that's been sitting in chaosium limbo for a while, isn't it? It, it has, yeah. It was sitting there, and then they decided with the release of 7 to just, you know, toss it out there. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> it's kind of um, new. But, it was a surprise to you as it was for us, right? <laughs> yeah. We all got it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be part of the Kickstarter or anything like that. But when Mike took over as line editor, he decided he liked it, decided to release it. But I remember, I remember quickly I needed a game for a convention. And so I thought, well, the Soviet era is one of the ones I studied in grad school. So that should be something interesting to work with. And so that's where um, Cold Harvest was born. Um, it also came out of the desire to sort of work with a scenario where you give the players a li- little bit of power and a lot of rope to hang themselves with. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, no to see where they go with that. And so it is a very open-ended, sandboxy scenario in that the investigators just have a town to explore, a town where strange things are happening. Uh, the mythos element is very offstage, very off the screen, so that you can make as little or as much of it as you want. Okay. I like that that style of setup as well because it, it, allows, a, the, um, it allows the keeper a lot more free reign with what to do with the scenario. You know what I mean? So it's not like, it's not explicitly defined that at this point, a deep one arises or some crap like that. You know, you have plenty of leeway as the guy running the game to how much you bring in or when you do bring it in. I like that style personally a lot. Yeah. And, uh, getting that, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give anything away, but this particular, uh, mythos element is exactly like you said, it has such uh, a power range that the keeper can have as heavy or as light a hand in it as they uh, so wish to, to, to bring to that scenario. When you were when it was pulled in for seventh edition, I'm I'm sure there were rewrites that had to go in to uh, to make it a seventh edition uh, scenario. Uh, did the did the scenario change during the rewrites between when you first? Submitted it to uh, to its final uh, incarnation. Well, I mean, to be honest, when I turned it in um, several years ago, I turned in revision forty two. Um, so it, <laughs> it changed drastically before I ever submitted it from what it originally was as a con game. But um, for updating it for seventh edition, Mike handled all of that. He basically just changed out the stat box and changed out some rules references here and there. Wow, 
That's because cool. it is a very rules light scenario. I mean, yeah. It doesn't call, you know, it doesn't ask you to make a roll here or a roll there. It just basically sets the stage and lets the players see what's going to happen with it. That's awesome because that, that's how I play. I mean, that's how I run a game anyway. I don't know if you I do a lot of live plays. Some people have heard them, but I'm very open ended. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't plan very well. And, and I kind of let my players do whatever the hell they want and, and hang themselves. And so that, that style of a, of a scenario um, fits me very, very well. Well, it's, it's also how I run a lot of my games. And so I mean, Cold Harvest is sort of indicative of my style. Very cool. Is there anything else? Do you, have yeah, you ever thought yeah. about doing another uh, game in that setting? Yeah, or have the, you? The Soviet era? Yeah, in the Soviet era. I do have one in draft format that was inspired somewhat uh, by Tom Rob Smith's novel, Child 44. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've read that, but... In, in I, I have. It's, somebody just recommended it to me yesterday, actually. Um, it's actually a, it it's a very good book. He, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go off topic, but he takes some somewhat modern Soviet serial killer and imagines what would have happened if he had been there during Stalin's time. Oh. Hmm. Um, so which, which, of, which serial killer? Um, I think it's Chikatilo. Oh, my God. In Stalin era. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not name referenced. He's, he's his own monster in the book. But yeah, either way, though, I mean, that's yeah. still that's uh, that guy's nuts. So mm-hmm. I'll have, to have a link to the Chikatilo guy. That, um, I think his name is Andre, right? Andre Chikatilo. Andre, Andre Romanovich Chikatilo, if I remember correctly, um, who was a a crazy, crazy man. Uh, and there's it was recent enough to where there's a lot of crime scene photos. And because it's Russian, and I think it was in the 60s, right? Or I was thinking it was more recent than that. But was it more recent when they actually found it? The Butcher of Rostov? Between 78 and 90. Oh, wow. It was a lot more recent then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, they, they started discovering um, pieces of women. <laughs> I guess that'd be the best way to describe it without being way too gruesome. Yeah, it's just, it, it's, there's a lot of crime scene photos you can see online if you're into that kind of thing. Um, none of them are safe for work, but we'll throw a link to like, uh, maybe what's a good one, maybe Murderpedia or somebody like that. It's got a good, uh, site on, I'll have to look and find a decent one, but yeah, I, I found his wiki entry. So that's, I put that in the show notes. Um, yeah, that is a pretty extensive, yeah, it's, uh, here's a, there we go. There's Murderpedia. Um, yeah. Uh, Chikatilo is, is crazy. So Chikatilo in the Stalin era is what that's um that's just frightening. I, would he be employed by <laughs> would he be given like a pat on the back? He's like, Oh yeah, you're releasing well, releasing numbers. Maybe at first. Focus on <laughs> focus on this a little bit. But when Stalin's whims changed, you know, he's out just like everybody else. Yeah. Disappeared like the rest of them. So uh, that's an interesting concept though. Um so I know you're you have the historical background, and I just lost what I was going to ask. Crap! I hate it when I do that. <laughs> It'll come to me. Somebody else say something, John. Since you've been missing the entire show, why don't you bring something up? Well, I was going to compliment on uh, uh, Cole Harvest again, that because I I think it's a it's a setting and a scenario that is probably unfamiliar with with many uh, readers and players. That I did like the. Uh, the setting information that was provided so that the keeper can build that canvas, you know, so that you're not just creating a, uh, you're not playing it like a fictional 
you know, American town or something like that, that, you know, is just skinned as, as Soviet. I mean, you, you give enough information to where you can like, oh, okay, these, these players are going to be, you know, part of this, I don't want to say KGB, I forget what the, uh, the, the, the group is that they're part of. Uh, the NKDD? Uh, that's, yes. I was like, I know it's letters. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting the, uh, the amount of info that you're able to provide and, and go, oh, okay, you know, the, the, the kind of the farming type of uh, industrial uh, village kind of thing. So. Well, it's a very unique time and a very unique place in the history of the world. I mean, and um, there is a new review of it. Pookie posted when he actually his blog. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, to the reviews from Relay. How did, uh, how did mm-hmm. he uh, throw it? Good, I hope. Um, he enjoyed it. Yeah. He enjoyed it, and he does compare and contrast it with Machine Tractor Station Park Off 37. Really? Which, yeah, to show that they're not the same, because that was you know some concerns that they'd be perceived because they're basically in the same time period as being the same. Yeah. But that, okay. to my mind, that's sort of like, well, we've got two scenarios set in Arkham in the 1920s, so I think they're the same. Yeah, okay. Right. They're, they yeah. are nothing the same. It's a, an awful large environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing similar about these. But I mean, it, but I, I think the setting is so alien to a lot of Western gamers that it's easy to see that they're... Um, I guess so. Well, yeah, I, I suppose so, from an outside assume, looking in. Yeah, if, you, if you have no idea what, what it's about. I hate to say it that way, but mm-hmm. yeah, they're... they're, they're totally and wholly different. Right, and that's one of the points that Pookie brings out in his reviews. Right. It's a good point Absolutely. to make, I guess. It, 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 I, know, I don't know, I'm kind of a history buff myself, so it, it never assumed to me to be the same one, even reading the, uh, you know, the blurbs for each one. It, it was obviously second or mm-hmm. separate. Um, and then once I got the PDF um, from Chaosium, you know, when we all did, it was just a fantastic read. It was, it was an absolutely amazing uh, book. So congrats on that. I really liked Cold Harvest. So, like you said, it's a it's a fantastic era in history. It's a very unique setting when you know, we, we, you. especially bringing in the NKVD. It's uh, it's it's just great. It's a it's a it's just a, a powder keg of of interplayer conflict just waiting to happen. It's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Have you considered possibly expanding out the Soviet era? and location stuff into like a a broader book kind of like the dark ages or invictus kind that of would thing? be a that would be a you know like a dream project I mean, it's something i would like to do but strangely enough market-wise russian era stuff doesn't sell that much which yeah. i find weird yeah that i find that strange would be you know very very niche no, but you, i don't i don't know see i i mean the thing that gets me is a lot of gamers grew up in the 80s exactly there was always the menace mm-hmm. of the soviet union so, I would think it would be fascinating, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm with you there. I would, I would buy it personally because I've I've always you know you grow up reading Lynn Dayton and um, you know all the spy thrillers from the 70s and 80s and 60s and you know I, I it's just an infatuation with that whole culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Falcon and the Snowman, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Spies like <laughs> us. <laughs> Rocky Four. Rocky Four. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Was that the one with Ivan? Yeah, I, I, I can't so. remember. They they but all blur together. Come on. <laughs> Rocky, Rocky <laughs> Four. <laughs> oh sh. Okay. <laughs> Just as a side note, um, and because it's Russian, uh, it's got some Russian in. Uh, have you seen the new show on uh, BBC America? It came out last year uh, called uh, The Game. 
which is set with like an MI5 setting in the 1970s. No, I've not seen that yet. No, you should, you should, you should watch that. It's actually pretty good. Um, you would get a kick out of it if, if you're kind of exactly. a historical buff kind of guy. It's pretty good. And, and this is just an this this is just an aside to the historical buffs out there. I guess you're one Murph. But when I was in grad school, my my Soviet history professor personally knew the Black Hand or <laughs> members of. No kidding, like for yeah, real. For real. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's to be commended or or something to be scared of. <laughs> well, he studied he studied them and just got to know them through his research, and you know they would meet up. I still don't know if that's something to be. Uh, well, he obviously survived the yeah. meeting, so I don't know who this person is. But if they have the name the Black Hand, it well, gives you a very I'm assuming we're very talk- uh, interesting idea. Are, are we talking about which Black Hand, uh, Lamana Negra or or the um, the Serbian um, Black Serbian. Hand? Yeah, okay. So the Serbian Black Hand was a. Um, what would they call them? The unification or death, I think, was their thing. They were a, a, a secret military society uh, of the Serbian army uh, in the uh, around the turn of the century, early 20th century, so early 1900s, late 1800s. Is that right, basically? Right, and it actually had ties to um, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, the right. Archduke, not the musician. Is the musician dead? I mean, because that would make things more interesting. (laughs) When you say the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, we're talking about the Archduke, I would would assume. (laughs) I mean, you know. (laughs) No, but uh, yeah, there's a a long and and very colorful history of... uh, of the black hand in Serbia and, and um, kind of that whole Austria, Austro Hungarian empirical overview kind of thing um, with the Balkan wars. And, and it's pretty interesting in general, but yeah, to have known members said of it, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I, it must've been a pretty interesting, mm-hmm. an interesting guy to meet in general. Um, yeah. And I mean, when I was a student of his, he was, you know, well into his dotage. He was like, you know, Five foot two, hundred and ten pounds. You know, but so he was your your uh, college Yoda he professor. Yoda. Okay, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> I don't. I guess that's good. I get to be a. I don't know if I'd want to be known as the Yoda. Oh yeah, that's the Yoda. He's short, hairy, and knows everything. <laughs> nine hundred years. You reach. You can teach them too. Jesus. <laughs> Hmm, the hand black we shall speak of now, yes? Sorry. A terrible impersonation. <laughs> um, uh, what else are we talking about? Chad, were there, were there any other historical periods that you've be, kind of been mulling over the idea of maybe writing about? You seem to have a wide range of ones that you've delved into. One of them, one that I've been reading about, I mean, I didn't study a lot in school, but i uh, been reading about was the Thirty Years' War. The defenestration of Prague leading up into the Thirty Years' War and everything like that. Um, I always thought that would be mm-hmm. interesting to meld with uh, the Grimm tales. Uh, because, oh, that's an interesting concept. I mean, the, I mean, yes, the Grimm brothers were later, but in at least American mindset, historically speaking, and even technologically speaking, as it's presented in the movies and stuff, it seems to tie in almost with a tech level similar to the Thirty Years' War. 
Yeah, now for just a little background, uh, Thirty Years' War was a, a a number of wars on the continent of Europe um, in the 17th century, right? Um, uh, yes, yeah, 17th century. Which which mainly started with um, Protestant versus Catholic kind of thing, and then uh, the Holy Roman Empire was involved, and there was the whole Habsburg thing going on, so... Anyway, all you need to know is that it was a dirty 30-year war. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's a, it's another, there's another Ferdinand in that one, by the way, but we won't, yeah. we won't go. Uh, Ferdinand the First, the Holy Roman Emperor. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then also, one, one thing that got me thinking about it was um, prior to the 30 Years' War, um, there was a comet that streaked across Europe and everybody took it as a portent of horrible things to come. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, I think the comment was six months or so. You have to look it up to be sure. But they have oh, interesting. Uh, portents of horrible things to come. Gotta love them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's ancient. kind of been a thing. Ancient yeah. man in general. Ancient, I'd yeah. say ancient. But you if, know. if I bash my neighbor over the head with this rock... I can prevent the evil thing from happening. And I mean, really all the comet was, was Amigo coming in for a hard landing. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. It had to be, right? And he was coming in hot. He was just coming in hot. There's <laughs> nothing you can do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 30 Years War is interesting. I've always, you know, I've, uh, I've always wanted to do a, uh, a feudal state style Cthulhu scenario. Um, I thought that would be interesting. Like a high, medi- high medieval period type? Yeah, yeah, high medieval. Um, it's kind of a genre that's, they don't really, it's kind of passed over generally in uh, mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu because it's, I think, I think it's assumed to be too bright, if that makes sense. It's not dark enough, maybe, for Call of Cthulhu. Right, and it's also, I think, you know, bread and butter for a lot of role-playing games. Yeah, exactly, and that's, that's why it's kind of been left alone. Uh, but I think that would be an interesting concept just in general because it wasn't as, you know, that demarcation between the Dark Ages and, and the early medieval and then into the high medieval period. It's still a crappy place to be uh, for the vast majority of the population of the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be pleasant. No. No, you couldn't pay me to live there, I can tell you that much. Plagues, violence, well, plagues, violence. institutionalized violence. Right. <laughs> just Yeah. And the genteel parts of things would be really good to contrast with the mythosy elements that you could bring in. Well, it's kind of like with uh, how they how they revamped uh, the credit rating stat in the Gaslight when they re-released Gaslight a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a, something yeah. you could pull in. You know, your credit rating would be like how influential you are within your little feudal state. Right, and we use um, use the status skill in Dark Ages for that. Right, that would be another good one as well. Yeah, I then, think it would be interesting, though. Yeah, and tie your purchase power to that. Yeah, you would have to. It, uh, basically, the the more powerful you are in your community, the more you can take. Exactly, um, but then you'd have you have to. It, it can get really complicated really quick, I guess, if you want to how how futile you want to make it or how realistic you want to make it. You know how mm-hmm. how much patronage you want to have to pay out and how much you want to calculate out on taxes and stuff like that. Cause they, they started to get pretty quite, uh, quite mathematical in their, um, <laughs> in some of their tax taking. Um, oh, very much so. Especially, you know, in Germany and France area, they, they seem to have had a, a, a penchant for numbers there at one point. Mm. But anyway, um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about in general? Anything you wanted to bring up? 
I mean, we've already covered Cold Harvest, Cthulhu Dark Ages, and surprisingly, Victoriana. <laughs> I mean, literally anything else. <laughs> we're, we're jumping all over here. Yeah. Um, well, you'd asked about historical periods. I guess another historical period, actually, I thought would be interesting would be um, the um, Akhenaten years in Egypt. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. That would be so cool. What is um, that? Akhenaten? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite period in Egyptian history. He is, he's, you've got to go find, uh, there's only a couple of, of images of the period left of him because they basically erased him from history or tried to, but he is the strangest looking individual you have ever seen. <laughs> he's got the weirdest facial structure of anyone. Um, and I can't remember, they, they've theorized he's, he was, you know, uh, he had some strange genetic disorder that made him look this way. Um, but he's um, Tutankhamun's father, basically. He tried to turn polytheistic Egypt into a monotheistic, into a monotheistic setting. Yeah. Um, and it, it gets weirder from there because mm -hmm. then they like to say that he's like, uh, he is like Hermes Trismegistus and, and he might be Moses and he might be all these other people put into one and it just goes nuts. But basically the guy moved uh, the court of, of, you know, ancient Egypt from one place to another, tried to force on a monotheistic society, pissed off everybody, ended up getting killed, and they literally chiseled his face out of every single statue and wall, uh, frieze and, and, and bas-relief that they could find. They, they, uh, they completely erased him from their history. It was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that would be a really interesting uh, period to put it in. And there's lots of history out there, lots of good stuff. Yeah, there is. I've always wanted to do one in the uh, during the Second Boer War. Yeah, I thought that would that's a a, a very brutal, dirty conflict uh, that's that's just ripe for uh, someone to exploit. I remember I remember reading back in um, college that there was somebody who commented at the time that that the that the Second Boer War was the last fun war. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like war. the last fun war. Yeah, what I like about the Second Boer War is that it's direct influence upon Hitler in World War II that most people just kind of gloss over, because all the dirty, nasty things that Hitler did uh, was directly influenced by the British doing the same exact things to the you know the dirt German Boers in South Africa. It's like yeah, they they taught them all the tricks. You know what I mean? It's 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 horrible, but um, it's very interesting. And would have been fresh in the minds of all the people that it happened, you know, who were old enough to have remembered it. And most of them might not have remembered it, but their parents would have, you know what I mean? So they might have heard of it. It would have been fresh in the communal memory, so to speak. The last fun war. I like that one. I, I forget who, who made that reference. I believe it was British. <laughs> would have to be, right? That's only a British. Can, only the British can come up with such a... <laughs> it's the last fun war we had. Uh, Chad, do you have any plans to hit any cons this year? Um, actually, if you'd asked me, I think in the last show, I would have said no. But since that time, um, I've booked Gen Con and Necronomicon. Oh, awesome. yes. I see, I will see you Excellent. at Necronomicon, my friend. And um, I'll be running um, two um, Cthulhu Dark Ages games at Necronomicon. And a really? Hyper Hyperborean Age. Very cool. You say Hyperborean. Yeah. It took me a second. I go Hyperborean. <laughs> Hyperborean? Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is one better than the other, just out of curiosity? 
<laughs> I've always wow. said Hyperborean. I, I, I've never heard anybody actually pronounce it, so I might be wrong for the I, last I never have years. either. So. Well, I, I tend to make up my own pronunciations. Are you going to run those same games at uh, Gen Con? Um, I didn't get in early enough for Gen Con, and so Gen Con I'm probably just going to hang out, wander around, spend too much money. Okay, yeah. I'm hoping maybe I'll be able to get to Gen Con. I'm not thinking that uh, Necronomicon is going to be an option for me at all. But uh, So if I can get out to Gen Con again, then we'll have to make sure and uh, connect up at some yeah, point. I will definitely find you at Necronomicon. Yeah, ne- Necronomicon is marginally closer from where I live to Gen Con. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I think it's like 45-minute difference to drive. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a four-hour flight either way for me, so... But I I'm, I just can't do a Gen Con again. I, I spent way too much money, way too much time. <laughs> it's just so much. And then having already been to Necronomicon once already, uh, I can tell you that I really enjoyed Necronomicon a lot more than I did Gen Con. Yeah, this will be my first time for both. So. Yeah, prepare, awesome. prepare to be overwhelmed is all I can say. That was my <laughs> first Gen Con last year, and it was it's mind-boggling. The amount of complete and utter nerds that you will run into. Yeah, I did Origins when I lived in Ohio. Yeah, yeah it it's is. awesome. Sorry, Chad, what were you saying? Oh, I said I did Origins when I lived in Ohio because I lived down the street from it. Yeah, but, it's nothing okay. like Origins. But Origins maxed out at that time, I think, at like 20,000 turnstiles. Yeah. I think Gen um, Con was 50. Yeah, it was almost 60 last year. It, it, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. But yeah, you'll yeah. love it. it it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I yeah, love, I Gen, love Con. Gen Con. Too. I'm not going to get to go to either this year. Uh, 2015 marks uh, my wife and I's 20th anniversary. So oh, any, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Any, any extra money or time off is not going to be spent at a con. It'll be spent with her. And we're going to try and figure out something, especially because our anniversaries in september so no, this is this is humorous in that regard um when uh, tom lynch approached me about going to necronomicon this year i'm tom from miskatonic river press right yes. and um mm-hmm. he um and i said well probably can't make it because that's the same week as my wife's birthday and i mentioned to my wife and she said well that'd be a good present oh you hit hit pay dirt my friend and then and then a couple couple days later she came into my office and said we should go to gen con Shut oh my gosh front door dude what the hell how did you find this woman? And does she have a sister? She has two <laughs> sisters. Oh. oh. <laughs> Both of them are in central time. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but I, I met her playing Call of Cthulhu. No oh kidding. That's awesome. And in, That's our, and in our very nice. first game, which was also the very first game of Call of Cthulhu I ever played, she shot my investigator in the back of the head. <laughs> I, I don't want to say this, but I'm in love already. I can't see why this wouldn't yeah, work out for that, you. Definitely a keeper. And you did well, my friend. She's my co-op well. Invictus and then Cthulhu Dark Ages and things like that. Andy Newton. Oh, that's... Yeah. I, I saw on your website that you had a link to her page, and so she does artwork mm-hmm. as well as writing. I and, didn't realize that was your wife. I Yeah. That's great. That's unbelievable, man. You for, are... For some reason... For some reason, she chose not to take my last name. Well, I can understand that, but, <laughs> you know... No. <laughs> that is strange, but... That's awesome, though. That's that's unbelievable. That's one of those uh, those geek marriages you only dream of, you know. <laughs> yeah, especially having been married for a long time to someone who is not a geek or a gamer. You are a lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she's also she's also written for Victoriana. Seem to like that game. Oh, really? In the in the concerts of Shadow Book or huh. concerts in flames? Right, concert in flames. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I guess since you missed it earlier, John, I'm not sure what you were doing, but uh, did you have any questions about Dark Ages or Invictus? You had covered those earlier. Well, I, I didn't even know about the uh, Invictus. That's very cool. What uh, didn't know about Invictus? Yeah, I didn't know. I, I was not aware. I, I only had uh, studied up on the Dark Ages and Cold Hearth, so I, I had not realized that you had uh, written anything for Invictus. So, Well, he didn't write anything for Invictus. He wrote Invictus. Well, Andy oh, and I did, yeah. I have not read the uh, Invictus uh, books. The Dark Ages is what uh, I was most attracted to, so I was like, ooh, Dark Ages. What uh, Have you advertised the scenarios that you're going to be running at uh, uh, Necronomicon? <laughs> well, actually, um, I haven't advertised them yet, but to tie two things together, um, Dark Ages and Cold Harvest, they're both going to be set in Kiev on Rus. Oh, cool. Um, which was, you know, what Russia was at the time of Stipula Dark Ages. Very cool. Okay. Nice. So kind of a combination yeah. of Bring things Bring everything there. together. Bring everything together. And there will be a mechanical owl. A mechanical owl. <laughs> Going back to Outstanding. Because we're circular like that. Everything goes back to Harryhausen. Right. <laughs> you stay in it long <laughs> enough, it always comes back to Harryhausen. <laughs> I, I love Harry Harryhausen's work. I did, I did a paper on him when I was in uh, high school. <laughs> I just realized that you play Mouse Guard. I do. Do you enjoy Mouse Guard? You must, right? I do. Who doesn't? Uh, are you excited about the new Mouse Guard RPG that's coming out, the second edition box set? Well, having the hardcover and the box set, I am somewhat disappointed that it's deflating my you know, retirement fund. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anybody... The, sad thing about me and mouse guard is that i love that game and i have no one to play it with like actual i've never actually played the game i just read the books um mm-hmm. but uh it seems yeah, like it would be great fun it's fun and it's i mean from at least the way we played it was surprisingly tactical yeah i, I get that it could be it can be that way if you want it to be you know mm-hmm. what i mean this would be the best way to put that yeah we had we had just taken a break from our dark uh, not dark ages on um, gaslight campaign to give that a shot and it turned out to be surprisingly tactical. So you're like a powerhouse couple. This is yeah. Crazy. I've read a number of the comics, but I'm just blown away. <laughs> I'm still blown away. I'm sorry. I apologize. And by what? I'm sorry. It's, it's not. Are you, are you still reading Andy's? Yeah, website? I'm still going through all of it, man. Just leave me alone. All right. <laughs> Having a geek crush moment on the pair of them. It's nuts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I again apologize for coming in late, and I wanted to talk about the uh, Dark Ages because is I thought I had heard that they're going to be like revamping and 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 bringing you know kind of shaking the dust off of uh, Chaosm that is shaking the dust off of Dark Ages and kind of having that setting put out there again a little more prominently, and uh, I wanted to hear more about that and and see what your what your input was on that. Well, from from my my perspective, I mean that's the hope is that you know. The relaunch of the core book uh, with the added material will spur new interest and um, increase the desire to put out supplements for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so once we um, finish the core book, we'll move on to another region. And um, if I had my my way with it, I mean, I'd probably do regional books to compare it, I guess, to, you know, Ars Magica, which has their tribunal books. Um, mm-hmm. So have... Um, you know, the first book deals with Anglo-Saxon England, um, well, specifically just the Severn Valley. Maybe follow up with a broader um, Anglo-Saxon England book or Anglo-Saxon England and Wales, um, since, you know, the Severn Valley does sort of butt up against both of those. Well, do you think do you think any of the other licensed publishers would be interested in doing a line, a regional line of uh, Dark Age books, you know, like 
cubicle seven. I mean, because you know, merch, right? That that seems completely within their wheelhouse mm-hmm. based I mean, upon the stuff that they're doing with the uh, Cthulhu Britannica. I mean, that would be nice, but I don't really know what's in their what's in their plans. I mean, a lot of them do plan out their publication schedule very well, so flipping sure, something sure. in isn't easy. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, cubicle seven is one of them. On yeah. yeah, and they do plan out well. Plus, they they also the licensees uh, are usually limited on how many they can publish annually. And, so. and from the and from a licensee perspective, Cubicle Seven also has Doctor Who and the One Ring, which right. I'm sure are their bread and butter games, and so they want to focus on that. Sure. Yeah, and that was their main focus at, at Gen Con uh, last year was their uh, their other you know because they had just re or released a new version of Doctor Who and new stuff for the one ring so i mean that that got a lot more prominence than their uh their mythos stuff did mm-hmm. but then the, aside from that though they do a lot of you know just like one-off um mm-hmm. crazy rpgs yeah i mean they did, at least they did yeah yeah well no they still they still are like they had like rocket age mm-hmm. um, which dan wants mm-hmm. um, and that was rocket age was written by ken spencer who also did blood tide for Cassian. right who i met at gen con which was crazy had a long conversation about him Oh, with him <laughs> about him with him no uh, with him <laughs> about it sorry not about him <laughs> he was trying to sell me rocket age it mm-hmm. took me a while it, actually i didn't realize who he was until after i had left and i was like oh shit, that's who that is and i went back to talk to him about blood tide and uh he was already gone <laughs> <laughs> so i had a 30 minute conversation with him about rocket age uh, before i realized who he really was <laughs> and then and then lost my chance. <laughs> this guy's so invested in Rocket Age. Why? Yeah. <laughs> well, he was he was he was hardcore selling me on Rocket. Age. I bought it. I have to admit, he sold me on it. It worked. It worked. Uh, but he spent an amazing amount of time with one dude. I have to admit. <laughs> Is he the guy that, that took your picture? Uh, no, that was the guys from Columbia Games uh, Club. that does um, Harn Master. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Arn World or whatever. Yeah, for like a Viking something or other, I think. Yeah, they took my picture to be a okay. Viking in one of their supplements. <laughs> Which is fine by me. <laughs> fine by me. I did have to remove my glasses, so I don't know how it came out, but I'm sure it was fine. Uh, is there anything else, Chad, you would like to mention before we put a bullet in this horse's head? No, I think that's it for me. Okay. We really appreciate you coming on the show. We know we've had a couple of false starts. <clears throat> John sucks. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, yes. But uh, we're, we're glad to finally have you on. Uh, and anytime at all you want to come back, just let us know. Also, anytime you want to just bullshit history, let me know. <laughs> and now, and that I have, now that I have your personal contact information, you can't freaking hide. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and Chad, when you get a, uh, a schedule for your games for Necronomicon, let us know so we can post it on the website. And, uh, and let people know about that. Also, uh, for uh, Gen Con, if, uh, if later on, if uh, plans change and uh, maybe one of the publishers uh, is going to host you at their, at their booth for signings, or uh, if something else comes up and there's going to be some kind of like after-hours game that you're going to be running and you want to advertise that, let us know so we can put that on the site as well. Please. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, without I know, a doubt. I know you've got all your Absolutely. stuff, but we want to be a, we want to be an additional outlet for you to uh, to advertise us out. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much.
We love to hear from our listeners, and we have lots of different ways you can reach out to us. Our main contact email address is feedback at mu-podcast.com. We also have a Twitter account, at mu underscore podcast, and you can join our IRC channel on the feedback page of the website. We have a Providence, Rhode Island voicemail number, area code 401-400-MUP. That's 401-400-0687. Or you can use the SpeakPipe link located on the website. Ask a question, leave us a line, or say who you are, and I'm enrolled at the Miskatonic University podcast. And give us a hearty Go Pods for our home team, the Fighting Cephalopods. Our website is mu-podcast.com, and you can find our show notes for this episode at mu-podcast.com slash 72. That's the number, 72. Our forum's at mu-podcast.com forward slash campus. Come join the community and be a part of the conversations. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Class is dismissed. The Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is property of Chaosium, Inc. The written works of H.P. Lovecraft are held in the United States public domain. All other works mentioned in this podcast are the property of their respective owners. Original content of this show is copyright of the Miskatonic University podcast under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license. So next up, um, we have the uh, Indiegogo campaign campaign for Dreams of the Witch House, Women of Lovecraft. This is from the Dark Reigns Press, or Dark Regions Press. Let me do that again, Dan, because I just screwed up their name. Uh, next up, we have the Dreams from the Witch House, Women of Lovecraft. Women of Lovecraft. I can't say that name to save my life. Um, so we're going to pause real quick to make so fun of John. So what's the next your excuse for this one? <laughs> oh man, I, I totally, I, I went to bed early. I have my alarm set. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it didn't work. And then Kara wakes up and she goes, she actually yells at me. She goes, you didn't get up. And I was like, oh God damn it. And I, and I just jumped <laughs> and I raced downstairs. So that's I, bad when, when your wife wakes you up to remind you that you have the podcast that you know damn well and good that she does not enjoy you doing on a regular <laughs> basis. No, she doesn't care. Oh, my God. So as I'm running out of the bedroom, I'm like, I need a new alarm clock. So I tried calling you, by the way. Or, or also put your phone next to your bed because, yeah. yeah, we called it. That'd yes. Be a great voicemail. Yes. Oh, I, I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, it's it's, it's going to boggle your mind. It's it's fantastic, and it's uh, <laughs> completeness. Not really. <laughs> well, you know the charging the charging station is down in the kitchen. So as I ran down, I got my I got my computer and everything. I'm racing down to the basement. My phone was lit up. And I was like, "Oh, I bet I have a message on that." And I just kept running past it to uh, go to the basement. So you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, I have no, uh, I have absolutely no sympathy for you at this point. No, no, have none. Please have none. I have don't. None. This is, Just this saying. was, uh, I was intending to be here on time. It's really mm-hmm, freaking mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, this is not a good turnout for, uh, when you're on probation. Right. No, it, no. Right, we've extended your probation. Not a good, um, Double, fact, uh, yes. I'm going to make your wife like beat you later or something. Um, we'll figure out something. I'll call your wife and we'll we'll come up with a suitable punishment. That would be appropriate.
loser. Man, I love yeah, I gotta, you. I got to get the show notes. Yeah, I know. We're waiting. Patiently waiting. It's not like we had anything going on. You no, didn't interrupt no. anything. No, not It's a all thing. good. No, 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 never. Not a thing. You, you wouldn't do that. Sorry, Chad. No, no problem. Yeah, this is totally, totally normal. Public yeah. shaming is always good. Yeah, yes. I'm, Are we on 72? Yep. <laughs> Jackass. Yes. <laughs> I've missed so many shows, I'm not entirely sure which I one we're even doing. I don't freaking know where I am. Um, The last one I made, I thought was like in oh, the 60s. Oh, nice. Nice. I like the uh, opening has been... Uh, Augmented again. That's great. Oh, <laughs> sorry. That's not getting changed either. We only recorded that once. All right. Where are we at? Well, we're talking to Chad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our website is mu-podcast.com and you can find our show notes for this episode at mu-podcast.com slash 72. That's the number 72. John sucks. John's late. John's here now and we love John, but not that much. <laughs> and Murph is a bearded asshole. Our forums Woo! are located at the MU podcast forward slash campus come join us the community uh come back just start over i'll start over mine too if you want damn because that'll be hard to edit since i didn't pause at all I did on <laughs> uh, our forums are at mu dash what the hell mm-hmm. see there our, yeah i know right it's the guilt coming out it is all right here we go <laughs> Our forums are at mu-podcast.com forward slash campus. Come join us. Come. Good Lord. I'm going to help to read it for you if you yep. can't do it. I know. Here we go. From the top with feeling. 